Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective. I'm your host, Dallas Taylor. And this week, there is no Alexis. That makes it three weeks since we've gotten to record with each other. It's like we're on two, we're just on like two different time schedules now. We're still trying to get it figured out. But next week, we both should be back. Yay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, today to to help try and fill the void, and we, we can't really... It was really easy for Alexis to fill the void with Kyle Starks last week. Like, honestly, I was listening to the podcast that I edit and produce, and I was like, oh, man, it's pretty good stuff. And honestly, I think she should just run the whole show. But this week we have, drumroll please, Anne is our returning guest, Anne, who will get to introduce herself a little bit more for anybody that might not be familiar, and Glenn from a couple episodes back. From the faraway land of Ireland. Northern Ireland. <laughs> Northern There's, Ireland. You're making this up. There's no such thing as two Irelands. It's just one. Oh, it's a whole thing. There's no such thing as there's, there's no, no such thing, thing as Ireland. Yeah, that's it's America and that's it. Get with the program, y'all. <laughs> Don't you read comics, Glenn? There's one country. Yeah, that's true. There's there's one city in America. I've ever seen where there's just fictional ones. And I live in that one city, baby. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Well, um, hi, everyone. I'm Anne from at Anne Comics, Anne Talks Comics on Twitter. So, well, I guess it's at Carol Anne Talks Comics now because I got my yes. legal name change done. No big yeah. deal. It's all real chill. So exciting. Um, thank you. And, yeah, I'm so, so hyped to talk about this. But mostly I'm just, you know, Real chill to be with some of my favorite people. Give them a lot of crap, but Glenn is one of my best friends, so I, this is gonna be so much fun. Yeah, honestly, I felt bad I didn't hit record earlier, so everyone else could be a part of the cage match I was watching. <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching my thumbs, two friends fighting. You know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah, thing. All said with love, I I adore Anne to death, and I I tease because I care, and I I knew that Anne's had a rough time recently. It's DC Solicitor, DC Solicitor, y'all. She's oh gonna have gosh. a rush. So I, I, I like to. Make oh, DC Solicitor's week. I I just need to start taking the day off work. I need to <laughs> devote, <laughs> devote it to self care and just shut down. That's what I need to do. I need to go to the. I need to find myself in the wilderness. You know, I'm gonna go camping. Go to the lake. I don't know. Just detach myself from everything and everything will be okay because that's that's how it works you run away from your problems they get better right exactly yeah, yeah. i mean i've been basically doing the same thing where i'm like hmm the current books aren't really doing it for me this week so i'm just gonna dive back into some old favorites and so honestly like the book we read this week could not have come at a better time because anytime i was like herm i'm not so sure about that i could just close twitter.com off of my phone and go and read a good book and forget about all that garbage you know i should mention that i'm glenn and i i am um from northern ireland and i sometimes also write comic books and, and they're uh, really good oh thank you that's, that's sweet of you to pretend and um oh and um I am here because I read this uh, in hardcover very, very recently, and I loved it uh, to death. And I 
wanted to talk to uh, about Dallas because I had such fun last time I was here talking about Stern Spidey and I knew that this was going to be a book that Anne would uh, probably adore because there's yeah. a lot of things in it that da- uh, Anne would like. No, no, no sparkly fist blonde ladies, but a lot more. Exactly. <laughs> this, this shows that I can like different things. Oh my god. <laughs> There was one good blonde lady in this one, you know. There so it, was one. It did have the quotient. Well, uh, Harley, no, Harley's not blonde in this, but she's, she's blonde, blonde for good for her life, comic life, fictional life. There's two blonde ladies. There's a transgender character. Everything's just, it's falling into place. There's a lesbian character. Everything just comes full circle, and I just put my hands together. I kind of steeple them like a villain, and I'm just like, yes, yes, good. It's, Give me and, the content. It's and all coming sh- together. Exactly. There's sharks. There's um, you know, there's there's some shirtless Atlanteans, so that is a little bit of a problem, but I can get over it. So everything else is okay. I think maybe this is really a great portent for things to come. Maybe I should tell the viewers what book we're reading this week. Oh yeah, that's um, probably a good good <laughs> idea. Just, welcome to Surprise Book Club, everyone. Yeah, you just have to discern what we're talking about without us ever <laughs> saying the title. Um, so this week we are going to be talking about Suicide Squad, Bad Blood is the subtitle they gave it in hardcover by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, the ongoing Suicide Squad series from last year, which honestly, when it was coming out in singles was arguably my favorite book at the time. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the CEO of whatever the most recent good thing I've read is my favorite thing of all time now. Right. (laughs) So like last night, I I went and saw A Quiet Place Part Two, and I was walking out of the theater. I was like, "Man, best movie I've seen in a long time." And I remembered like the week before saying the exact same thing about Nomadland, and I was like, "I oh have a problem. I have a problem." <laughs> Everything's Whatever. good. Yeah, like I like to like things, which is oh my god, you I don't know. Belong. <laughs> I know. Kick me off. Every, kick me out, everybody. I'm gonna be logging off the podcast now. Um. Welcome to the cage fight with Anne and Glenn. Ding, ding. Where... <laughs> ding, ding. But yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about Suicide Squad. And this 11-issue run ran last year during 2020, one of the few really bright spots of that mm-hmm. forsaken year. Um, but Anne and Glenn, what were some of your initial reactions to this reinvention of the Suicide Squad? Well, so um, basically I got into this, you know, in the... I'm pretty sure really early last year, because I, I think I put it out to Twitter like, hey, I've been hearing really good things about Taylor's Suicide Squad. Should I get into it? Is what's going on there? And I'm pretty sure Tom Taylor himself is like, yeah, you need to pick this up. Like, and I'm like, well, now I have to. <laughs> the creators guilt me into it. I got to do it now. So um, I picked it up, one issue, and I was like immediately hooked. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> There's, it's a Suicide Squad book that I adore. That's okay let's let's roll with this let's see what it is and you just go along with it and it has all those perfect like classic tom taylorisms it has all the heart all the emotion all the twists all the turns all the lovely heartbreak that you know he just every time a tom taylor book comes out i'm pretty sure he gets on twitter and just sits there with like the biggest grin on his face as he looks through his own like his own chats and his he searches his own name he just laughs maniacally the whole time at all the the ways he's hurt you this week and it's like you keep coming back for more because it's like the best thing ever oh god this book was so good it was 
between this and Hawkman, this was what kept like DC alive for me for like the last two years. It's just insane. I still need to read Hawkman. Oh my god. I know. I will never read a Hawk. I will never read Hawkman. <laughs> okay, this <laughs> this is now Hawkman's therapy session. Um, <laughs> I need both of you to get your acts together. And yes. everyone listening at home, Hawkman, Robert, ben, how do I say his last name? Venditti? Venditti? Yes. Okay. Like sorry, Robert. I'm so sorry. Read that book. That book is so good. That's what Should I've heard. I have, I have the first trade in my closet right now, so I'll get to it eventually. It's, it's Pride Month. It's time for it to come out of the closet. <laughs> Honestly, uh, like, what a happy coincidence that we got to read Suicide Squad at the end of Pride Month. Exactly. I was this like, is perfect. Oh, yeah. I was like, this probably seems like some really great planning on my part, and it's not. It's just, I was like, oh, I want to talk to my friends as soon as possible. And then I looked and I was like, oh, well, look at that. Everything li- Everything's coming together. New trailer came out today. I haven't seen this because I have a one trailer for movie reel. Those trailers show too damn much. The trailers, they show too damn up to those talking movies these days. Um, oh my but, gosh, we get it. You're old, Glenn. Oh my gosh, we get it. You, okay. Twitter, Twitter's grandpa. Jeez. <laughs> uh, what's well, Twitter? Um, but yeah, so I don't really have much reading Suicide Squad books. Uh, I've read a few of the John Strander book uh, issues whenever it tied into JLI uh, back in the day. Uh, but I, ne- I never, it was always one of those things that this sounds like a really cool concept and for the 12 people listening to maybe don't know that the, the idea of the concept is behind Suicide Squad is that villains are basically forced by the government to become mercenaries because they've got bombs in their necks and if they don't behave, they get the bombs blown off. Um, and it, that is a really good concept and that's, re- uh, and the key thing to the book's success since the 80s, which I think I think when it's first started, you know, my, my day, um, is that they used lower level villains. So it was mm-hmm. like everyone is expendable. And only recently, with the, the like, I think Harley Quinn's probably the, the biggest name they've ever had on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never felt drawn towards really reading the book that much. But Taylor has done such, such fantastic work for both companies. Um, I love his Spider-Man. I just brilliant. To, to me, he reminds me a lot of Dan Slott in that he has a, an infinity for and love for these characters that really mm-hmm. comes across the page. Um, and I think he's just won that one magical project away from becoming like one of the top-selling uh writers and comics but you'll never read a bad comic by him he always mm-hmm. does good solid work and he always does great representation in all his books i think um, if the 90s belonged to mark wade and the 2000s to brian michael bendis the 2020s will belong to tom taylor that's my little i think uh, it's terrible to tell that uh i there's a lot of names in there that like uh like uh, i i don't want to like seem dismissive of uh, I don't want to name names and go well what about this guy this guy he's clearly better than uh, Tom Taylor um you know because you know there's so I think we're just very lucky because there are so many talented people in comics today in general um maybe they're not being used to their most potential but that's a whole another subject mm-hmm. but so whatever I thought Tom Taylor is on Suicide Squad I said yeah I'll read this uh, that that's that he's a person I like 
Um, and it was fantastic. It really was. Like again, like you guys say, this got so much hype when it came out. It was such a critical darling, and it was it sold very well for Suicide Squad, but because of that as well. Um, and it just and it just really lived up to the hype. I just loved every page. So with Glenn kind of describing what the premise of Suicide Squad has been, and do you want to talk a little bit about how Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo sort of flipped the script with this series? Yeah. So it's it's really, really interesting the way they did this because you look at the first issue and the first issue, the cover of it, it's a, a beautiful Ivan Reyes piece. And it's just, you know, the, the usual suspects, you know, there's Harley Quinn, there's Deadshot, there's Shark and there's um, Magpie. There's just... You know, it's the big guns plus the ones you know are going to die. <laughs> it's usually because that's what it, it usually comes down to. And you're just like, oh, well, it, here we go. It's the Suicide Squad again. Um, I guess we know exactly what to expect. But then you open the book and you start to realize very, very slowly that maybe you don't know what to expect. Because this is it, the book says Suicide Squad. and It is very much about the Suicide Squad. But the thing that really makes this book work is it's basically a series for a completely different team. This is like, I describe it as a backdoor pilot for the revolutionaries. And that's this new group of characters in it who are kind of, um, they're, they're heroic. They, they got these like anti-hero tendencies, tendencies though, that kind of walk the line that other heroes are afraid to walk. And it's just this group of people who have all been wronged by the suicide squad in one way or the other, looking to kind of shut them down and to, um, you know, avenge some wrongs. And it starts with them, and the story really finishes with them, too. And that's what sets it apart from a lot of the other series that have come before, and will probably set it apart from all the series that come after, because it's a turn you don't expect. It's all these characters you never knew, and by the end of the series, you're a fan of every single one of them. And it's just really, really cool in that regard, because one of the, you think, one of the struggles that Suicide Squad has is you have this team of all villains, all these people that for their entire careers, it's been your job to hate them because you're supposed to root for the hero and you're supposed to hope that, you know, Batman stops Deadshot or that Green Arrow stops, you know, whoever. But to have these people be the heroes, the protagonists of the book, you have to work really hard to make them likable. You have to work really hard to make us care whether or not they die. And you also have to make, you also have to work really hard to make us believe you'd actually kill them. Because I don't think anyone reading suicide squad like rebirth believed for a second that harley quinn or deadshot or you know like killer croc was gonna die but reading this book you get all these new characters who have this benefit of being new so you can kill them and you can also they're also um <laughs> sorry stumbling my, my words for a second they're also the benefit of definitely being the good guys who are enlisted into this team which isn't something we've really seen before and that gives us another reason to care about them and you keep building up all these different things that suicide squad runs have kind of been missing in the past combine them all together in this beautiful package and that's that's tom taylor's suicide squad and it's it works in every way you hope it would yeah, yeah. honestly i remember when tom taylor was releasing the character designs one by one over mm -hmm. the course of weeks building up to this and every single one would be introduced and you're like, oh, this is going to be something special. Like this is going to be a run for the ages. And uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off there, Glenn. What were you going to say? 
No, I was just saying I completely agree with everything Anne said and more. I think I haven't taken to a group of you, and and this is something that, that it's a skill to introduce. Like, I mean, it's 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 always good to see new characters introduced, and it, that's always mm-hmm. fun. But introducing like what six or seven at once, mm-hmm. and you like them all is crazy. Just it's just amazing to think that that can be accomplished. I haven't felt this strong about a new group of characters since I read Young, Young Avengers for the first time. And and this run oh, this run kind of reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, original Alan, Alan Heinberg, uh, Jin Chung, Suicide Squad because of that for a lot of reasons. So that's a comparison I hadn't even thought of before, but yeah, that's basically... I can't think of the last time a team this big, completely of new characters, appeared and took off this well. Like, you had, like, the the new age of heroes that came after, like, Death Metal, and you had teams like... um, God, I can't even think of their name right now. Like, (laughs) you had teams that literally come out in that period that no one ever talked about. You had books in that period that I'm still learning, like today existed there was apparently an odyssey of the amazons book that came out around this time that i didn't know existed until last weekend and it's just not it's hard to get people to care about new characters and to you know kind of sneak them into the suicide squad book it's not only i think a genius way to get people to not only pick up the book and meet them it's you know you you disguise it as a suicide squad book and then you unwrap it and surprise it's new characters and then manage to not trick us into liking them but force us into liking them by making us read this book and it's just really smart and i think that's why it worked but yeah the last it hasn't happened since young avengers i don't think i wouldn't literally nothing's coming to mind yeah i honestly like i've recently been reading the terrifics at least the tail end of that series by gene mm-hmm. and yang and that's an amazing series right mm-hmm. but Reading that right after rereading The Suicide Squad, it really struck me how immediately likable all these new characters were, right? Well, even graphics is just existing characters in the new team. Yeah, they're, they're characters that have existed. They're characters you have an attachment and a relationship to, and it's fun to see them in this new dynamic. But I honestly was a little shocked that I found myself liking these brand new original characters even more than these established characters that I liked. And that's a run that I like. You know, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. put down another book. They're both right. excellent books. I think it just yeah. demonstrates how special the Suicide Squad run is. Yeah. Um, but I've got the page open with all of the new characters. And so I want to read off the names for anybody that may not have read the series yet or honestly are bad at names like I am. And then I want to talk a little bit about the cast because I think okay. that... And I don't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> they are... They're the heart of this run, right? Absolutely. No, no matter how fun the dynamic is or the the politics, the quest of all of this, it's this central group of characters that make this special. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've got Jog, who was born in France, a speedster, limited to short bursts. Thylacine, born in Australia. Ngarluma, woman, heightened senses, and a hunter. Deadly Six, who was born in Somalia, can choose from six deadly sins to influence people. Mm-hmm. Chaos Kitten, born in Hong Kong, she's a fighter. Tien Tien, born in Argentina, explodes. Osita, <laughs> born in Puerto Rico, strong, angry, leader of the revolutionaries. The Airy, flight, able to talk to birds. But that's not in any way useful. 
Wink, born in the USA, teleporter, kleptomaniac. And then finally, we have Scalen Finn, Atlantean, telepathic, very dense bodies. So that is how we're introduced. And I wish you could see the artwork. Bruno Redondo does so much for this book. Oh, and I want to talk more about it a little bit later. I'm, I'm the king of just talking about the writer. And I'm really trying to be better because this is a visual medium. And I want to recognize the amazing talents of these artists. And I don't oh. think this book would be what it is without Bruno Redondo right alongside Tom Taylor. Oh, absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Glenn. Uh, not to take away from Suicide Squad, uh, but this team is doing Nightwing now, and I think some of his Nightwing covers are just breathtaking. That, Nightwing is, I think, the prettiest book on stands right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I... I don't know what my favorite book is on stands right now. I won't go into all of that. But every single page of Nightwing is stunning. So I definitely think this is the team to watch. Um, but... Going back to the characters a little bit, did either of you have favorite revolutionaries that were introduced in this run? Like, I know we love them all, but do you have a favorite? I wonder which Anne will pick. (laughs) (laughs) Just because she's blonde doesn't mean it's... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's Wink. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. And I... God. Oh, I hate that you put me in that corner. But, yeah, it's just her relationship with the airy it's just everything about her personality screams bubbly and happy and i love it those are characters i really cling to just because they're so much fun nothing nothing deeper than that they're just really fun i enjoy reading them their interaction is always great her she actually kicks off this series in the first issue by showing up yelling at a bunch of um i believe at like an a navy gathering or something or a bunch of politicians and she just basically tells them where they can shove it, grabs the general, and takes off. And I think I, I thought that was the most badass thing I've seen in a comic all year. And I'm like, instantly, instantly I'm in love, you know? And <laughs> sorry, I'm just she's just so much fun. How can you not love her? It's uh, Glenn, what's your I, favorite? I think uh, it's a tie between Wink and the Ari, just because they're such a, an adorable couple. Mm-hmm. And I love to see representation uh, like this. I think uh, it's very essential uh, that I, I was a big fan of uh, She-Ra. And I think it's a mm-hmm. big, it's, it's essential that different uh, gender identities and different uh, sexual preferences should be normalized exactly. in mm-hmm. and comics for all ages. I mean, because there's nothing in here that a kid couldn't read. Right, yeah. Maybe, maybe well, a bit violent <laughs> at times, but even the violence is, maybe, I would say maybe like a 10 year old would be able to read this. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing inoffensive. I wouldn't maybe give it to my two year old. Uh, she, <laughs> she just hates us. Um, but I just love that their relationship, again, to liken it a bit to Young Avengers, it reminds me very much of those early days of Billy and Teddy. Mm-hmm. With, with Billy and Teddy, uh, Alan Heinberg was trying to like play with it a little bit, going, mm, "Well, maybe they are, maybe they are." But when everyone was like, "Yeah, they totally are," whereas like Tom Taylor wastes no time. And that scene when they first meet is just one of my uh, favorites in the entire book. Uh, oh. When they're, like, they're, the weird Doctor Monroe island of that's great, mm-hmm. like uh, superpowered beings. Um, 
And I just, I just love that it's like so casual that you know one of them's non-binary. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like they're like talk. They just met. Winks like blah 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 blah. And my friend here, they, and they just, and they just confirm they, and that's it. That's all you need. You don't need to make a big like song and dance about it. It's just there, and it's just normal, and it's just beautiful. And that's right. exactly how how representation works and that's how and that's the key to it working is it just yeah. it's just normal and if i, I could oh, oh no, sorry no definitely you and you go Say, if i could bounce off that for a second it's representation is really great and it's good but what also matters is respectful representation because especially within like the transgender community we have to like one cross our fingers hoping for representation period and two we have to cross our fingers hoping for representation in a way that like actually matters and doesn't continue to like accidentally other us because there's this um really bad trend with transgender characters where it's they always come off as like really inhuman like i remember the most recent issue i've had was um in teen titans academy there's a a non-binary um i forget how they describe themselves but the character's name is stitch and they're you know they use they them pronouns and they're literally a non-human effigy like a collection of souls or something and i'm like okay um doesn't make me feel seen but you know it's it's something and there's also thinking back to the um whole safe space and um snowflake debacle where it's like okay they're non-binary but they they also feel like really harmful stereotypes at the same time so just to see the airy exist as just a person with powers you know like any other superhero just it means the it means the world to the community it really does and i think everything here tom taylor handled he handled with grace and it was so good to see that and i wish it happened more often but sadly it does not and it's one of the reasons why i continue to treasure this book and hope that they'll keep showing up in the future because that's something we sorely need i think it's also really important that uh the airy has like a supportive because it is such a horrible cliche and again this is another thing that young avengers uh buck the trend on when Billy's parents, he wasn't coming out to his parents, but when his parents were talking and they were like, oh, we know we love you and it's okay. Um, but there's such a horrible cliche, and it's probably because it happens a lot, unfortunately, that whenever LGBTQ plus kids come out to their parents, they're like, you're no child of mine, you're mm-hmm. a monster, ah, right. fire. Whereas here, like, the Aries mom is just a successful woman obviously she's running a country spoilers for later uh but she's so supportive of their child and then just like oh is this wink hi wink uh, nice to meet you uh, i've heard so much about you and it's like oh my god a, a, a really supportive like normal parent oh my god <laughs> yeah say that stuff means a lot too because it helps like normalize not just the dis- not like not just discussions about gender and sexuality, but also shows them in more a more positive light. Because, you know, we've all seen the story where someone comes out and everything's really, really bad, which is, you know, unfortunate because that happens so often. So it's not, whenever it's used in a story, it's not like it's untru- untruthful. It's not like it's unrealistic. But it is really nice to see, like, something more positive for a change and to get that in your little bit of escapism for the day. And to just, I think people underestimate a lot how much these 
you know, the inclusion of people like the Airy and Wink in comics like this can affect the way people view members of the LGBT community. Because I remember my first exposure to a same-sex couple came from the pages of Runaways when I saw um, Carolina and Zavin together for the first time. And it's just like, oh, they're just a normal couple. And growing up in a really conservative town, that's not what you're told that gay people are like. And you're just like, oh, well, that's not at all what I thought it was. This is just completely normal. And I think that's really, really important. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, yeah, I just piggybacking off of that a little bit. There are a lot of people that don't understand why representation in media is important. Mm -hmm. And speaking as someone that also came from a very conservative part of the nation, fiction was really the first place I encountered a lot of worldviews and lifestyles mm -hmm. that were different than mine. Like if I walked outside, most everybody around me at any given time was within a standard deviation of my exact experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And so these these stories meant a lot in opening up the world to me and helping me realize what was around me and made me into a person that then could be loving and accepting of things that were different than myself, you know? Right. And so, and there is such a, a big difference between tokenism and representation. Mm -hmm. And I love that this book is so representative. It's full of human beings that have different experiences different interests, different personalities, and none of them feel like they're there to be like street fighter style, like I'm the fighter from this sexual identity, you know? Yeah. Like, dun, dun, dun. like it's not like that. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, I mean, what a fun idea for a fighting game. That's a side note. <laughs> um, but here comes it the just, game. It feels. Fabulous. It feels fun to have characters mm -hmm. that just exist in a space and they get to exist there. And you as the reader are subtly taught to accept that lifestyle, yeah. you know? Right. And they have like a, a lesbian leader and even like Harley Quinn, um, you know, it obviously it doesn't come up here. I don't think that she's bisexual. Mm -hmm. Um practically gay at this point <laughs> really since she i think she's had enough of men to last her lifetime um or in particular one man has just put her off the whole gender and to be honest i can't blame her um but so it's it, there's that even though this it doesn't come up in this book there's that there's that character as well um and that dc is finally embracing that part of the character very very slowly and gradually but it seems to be happening yeah, I, I don't know. This book seems really modern without feeling like it's trying to, if that makes sense. Like, just in these little throwaway lines, like Six Deadly Sins, saying the line of, like, oh, I'm not going to weaponize lust against someone. That's icky, you know? Like, if this <laughs> yeah. book was written 10 years ago, you know there oh, would have yeah. been a scene mm -hmm. where that's used, you, you know? Yep. And it yeah. just shows the book never like waves its flag. Like, look at what I am doing for everybody. It just does it. And I think that that's huge. Yeah. I think it's huge to see a good example and for other creatives to see that this is what people want. Like Glenn said, this book sold like hotcakes. I assure you this hardcover will sell like hotcakes into the future, you know? And so it shows people that, 
oh, maybe I should try and embrace a little bit of this type of storytelling. Maybe I should bring some of these ideas in and stop catering towards the audience we've been catering to for so long and mm-hmm. try and rope in some other new readers to right. make the community healthy. That's fucking crazy. You're talking crazy talk. <laughs> As like the target demographic for comic books, please stop making me the target demographic for comic books. Because <laughs> the industry won't survive. If I've oh. learned anything from Western media, it's that one person can represent their entire group. And so let me represent <laughs> my group and say, please pitch these books to someone else. It's more fun that way. Did you just yeah. volunteer as tribute? I did volunteer as <laughs> tribute. I just, um, I'm going to silence the voice of much more of my group and say, <laughs> here am I. <laughs> listen, listen to what I got going on. Please like, point the like, flashlight somewhere else. I think that Suicide Squad tapped into is the biggest thing in the comic market is graphic novels. Nothing is selling the graphic novels, and OGN especially. Some of the big, and some of the best selling OGNs at the moment on the market are LGBTQ plus. Like you, there is tons of them, tons of them. Uh, Molly Knox Oster Tag just brought out one uh, a couple of weeks ago, which apparently is fantastic. Um, and just there's so many like um, what was that one that I recommended to you Anne, about the um, the two princes that run away to like the witches academy and stuff like that and then Lila Sturges wrote uh, a graphic novel uh, Girl Haven was it oh there's yes so, yep and there's and that's the kind of stuff I want my kids to read because then if they they have a friend or a partner eventually, or even themselves, think, well, maybe blah, 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 they have something that they can contextualize that with, which I, which I, again, is brilliant. I think the major exposure, the first time I really remember a major character on sort of in the LGBTQ plus kind of spectrum was Willow and Buffy, and that was a big deal. Back then, I was like, oh my god, they have a, excuse me, a lead character who's a lesbian, oh my god, like in one TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, the world has come a long ways. Uh, yeah. It still has a ways to go. But, <laughs> but um, um, there's so much else, other stuff. There's just so much to enjoy in this book. There's, the representation of the characters are amazing. The story's actually really, really good. Because this isn't actually really like you said, a six-year-old book. It's very unconventional in that way. It's, it, it starts off that way with the team essentially getting sold to a private buyer and I think that was the key thing to, like you were saying, like their villains are hard to cheer for, and obviously the, the revolutionaries make up a large portion of this new Suicide Squad. But they, mm-hmm. by the only way, the, the best way to build up heroes and to build up characters you like is by introducing a despicable villain. And this new guy, whose name escapes me, that runs the squad is just a horrible person. <laughs> Yeah, could you imagine a guy coming in who makes Amanda Waller look like a puppy? Because <laughs> holy yeah. shit! It's like she's our, she's a monster. She's our monster. I don't like this guy at all. Yeah, he's such a he's such a dick. <laughs> um, it's like, and it's it's quite astonishing. And then he's like a, also like a sadist and a masochist. I don't know. It's just like the yeah. worst. Like Taylor also writes great villains. Um, all and really, uh, compelling 
nuanced films. I don't know if you guys have read much of his Injustice, but what he's doing, what he does there with Superman is just mm-hmm. brilliant. It's like how he balances Superman. It's good, it's good as a villain, but how he like writes him as this. He's not just a what I He's like a, a very complex character, and I this villain here, in at least the first half of the story, is just so well written and so easy to hit so it makes the heroes easy to cheer see glenn i have to disagree i think the best villains are skeletor and sauron who want to be evil just to be evil um (laughs) i want somebody that doesn't want to feel good they want to feel evil i want someone that just wants to make dinosaurs exactly that i don't want any more sympathetic villains when we make villains sympathetic we make a billion dollar movie about them being sad. And <laughs> I don't want that anymore. More no Skeletor, more. less. Are you that movie that shall not be named? You are can you guess telling what me is. you wouldn't are you telling me you wouldn't like be down for a Skeletor drama? Like just about how much his life sucks. <laughs> HBO like, Maxi so series sad. Skeletor. Where he's just like ah, I want to be evil for eight straight episodes. That's fine. Always jealous of his brother. I mean, I'm telling you, this is me back on my bullshit. He-Man and the Masters <laughs> of the Universe. This is what this podcast is about. We've been talking yeah. about LGBTQ plus representation. I would just like to thank my dad for making me the way I am by buying me the most homoerotic toys <laughs> that anyone could buy. And the manager will set you straight. So you know, I know. But this this shirtless, muscular man who doesn't wear many clothes will surely make sure that my son doesn't like boys. No son of mine is going to play with a girl toy. Anyway, here's this giant naked man in a sword. (laughs) And like, I like girls, but dad, you tried so hard to make me not. God bless you. You tried so hard. You tried so hard. And you were like, hey, what if I buy you every He-Man toy? And all of that really did was make me like mustache twirling villains. Yeah. And so, while yes, I agree, the villains were great in this. It was really fun to see the Suicide Squad kind of push against systemic things. Mm-hmm. I, I want more Skeletors and Saurons in the world. I'm sorry. That's just this is the agenda for this podcast. And if you don't like that, you can go watch a billion dollar movie with everybody else that thinks I'm wrong. That's most of the world. Oh my gosh. I, I do agree that there is, like, I do think that there are an argument to be made for the compel- the villains that, are, from their perspective, they're the heroes. Uh, Killmonger is probably the perfect example, for example, in Black Panther. Um, but there is also the example of a character I probably would be very popular for my name that is, like, just, like, evil for the sake of evil. I think that the way that this villain is played in um, this book really works because Taylor really knows, he really knows how to push your buttons and he will do it in the good ways and the bad ways. And I think that's a lot of where his storytelling charm comes from is he has these moments that he hits where he's just like, oh yeah, this is going to make people smile or oh yeah, this is going to make people laugh or oh yeah, this is going to make people really angry or really <laughs> It's going to build up to something that's going to make them really satisfied in the end. And I think that's a lot of what, like, contributes to just, like, how much we enjoy reading his work. Because, you know, it's just, you read comics for a good time. And if you have a villain that you hate, 
and you're really waiting for that moment where he gets his comeuppance and it comes in such a satisfying way, then it's just, it sticks with you, you know? it's It really sticks because it's meant to. And it's this big bombastic moment and it wouldn't work unless he built this villain to be like the biggest son of a bitch ever. And following up Amanda Waller, that's a really hard task. So I just think that's that's incredible. That took that took some talent. I think Tom Taylor just makes like comic books for comic book folks. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's so fun. It's so fun Mm -hmm. to read a comic that isn't trying to be a pitch for anything else. It's just trying to be a comic book. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of his hidden talents, right? He keeps getting given properties that I'm like, that won't be for me. And he keeps knocking them out of the park. He was given Injustice. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really like Evil Superman. That run that run is fantastic. He was given Deceased, the zombie DC mm-hmm. book. And I was like, I'm not really a zombie guy. That kind of seems like a meh book. And it was wonderful. He was given The Suicide Squad. The thing that I, I've always been like, eh. I don't really care about the Suicide Squad. And he made it wonderful because he, like Anne was saying, he knows how to play with your emotions and elicit those kind of reactions. You can tell that he's been reading comic books his whole life and loves them. And so he knows what he would want to read and therefore what we all want to read. Agreed, 100%. But there is like another villain behind the the start, the initial villain. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the internet exploding Mm -hmm. anger when that initial reveal was like, oh my god, it's Ted Cord, and everyone was so angry. There was just like, just wait, and everyone was like, that's for losers. Say, I remember when that happened, and I'm not sure how many people were with me, but like, I was just sitting there like, okay, so we're all in agreement that this this isn't Ted Cord, right? Because this isn't they he Tom Taylor doesn't do this. He doesn't do like shock value for the sake of shock value character turns. That's like that's not about him. He has like too much respect for these characters to just kind of like, oh, who are we gonna turn bad today? Oh, I know Ted Cord, lovable Ted Cord. He's just got back from being dead. He's the bad guy now. Let's roll with it. I'm like that. No, no way. And I feel like part that I feel like it partly takes away from the twist that comes later that results in the unfortunate and untimely demise of one of the lead characters but at the same time it's like I'm glad he didn't go through with it and make um Ted Cord an actual bad guy because I'm like that's a little too Maxwell Lord for me so well (laughs) I I remember that this course and then I will say I read this comic like uh, a year a few months later however long it's hardcover to come out and i'd forgotten because whenever i opened that page i was like oh it's dead and i was like the next thought was no it's not <laughs> I, was like, I adore ted to death like mm-hmm. he has that steve Ditko connection he uh it's blue and gold. i love blue and gold so damn much um and i just knew it wasn't him and i was like well let's see where this is going and then i think the, the mask reveal spoilers is very clever and it's actually funny because i was like oh yeah i remember that story that black mask got a mask where he could mm-hmm. basically be a million oh, oh tom taylor wrote that one shot well what do you know <laughs> it's just this weird thing that he actually and i don't know if he plans this from the when it was that was during the lex Luthor's going around being evil santa evil corporate santa at all the <laughs> films 
still the weirdest um, but my favorite thing that they ever did just evil was, santa lex luther it was so cool of them to just come out and say that he was jeff bezos you know <laughs> like what what a special treat evil santa claus delivers exactly what you want but don't really need to your door that was really and, brave of them and and like five masters want to mask them into ever, anyone and I, that was a really good one shot that uh, taylor wrote and i completely forgot about it until i read this book but he must have he either did that and think well someone will do will pick up on this this is a good story idea and then maybe no one did and he was doing so i oh, i need a villain oh a fake right that is ted gordon and it could be black mask because he was acting very maxwell lord here to say yes he can't be max lord max lord shot him in the head one time <laughs> I mean, it was. It's also fun to see Black Mask coming right out of the Birds of Prey movie as well. It was oh. fun to see the Harley Black Mask interaction in this book. I feel like this book is something that's so easy to hand somebody that liked that wonderful movie, but isn't Maybe, just yeah. a knockoff or like a continuation of that movie. Right. You know, I think this is this is so much of what I want comics to be. I was having a whole conversation with somebody today about accessibility in comics. And I I want so badly for more 11, 12-issue hardcovers that I can hand somebody and say, oh, I know that you'll love this, you yeah. know? Because like, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my comic book shelf recording. And I'm like, oh, there's so many good comics. I was like, I can't hand those to anybody, you know? <laughs> what am I going to do? Be like, oh, hey, here's a 50-issue Daredevil run that also uh-huh. references back to a bunch of stuff from the 80s you have to have read to enjoy it. Or... Uh-huh. I mean, near and dear to my heart, here is a 100-issue run from Stanley and Steve Ditko in the 60s. Hope you can get past that it's in the 60s and just, like, love the campiness. Like, that's not accessible, you know? I love it. You, too, obviously love it all. Mm-hmm. But this is a book that I can buy for friends that don't read comics that will get them to, into comics. I have to check something there. I'm just flipping through Stanley's run. Oh, wait, yeah, Glenn Stacy's in it. Yeah, I would like it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Jesus Okay, fine, yeah. Um, I completely get that. And that's another reason why, you know, representation and responsible, respectful representation matters because the way the women are handled in this book is also really great. I've been talking about it a lot this week, but there's like, there is no way on God's green earth I would recommend any female-led comic between the years 2000 and 2010 to any woman I know other than like maybe Joe, other than maybe... um, Batgirl with Cassandra Kane because it's like I'm not gonna go and hand someone 2005 Supergirl and say here hope you have fun yes she's 15 yes that skirt is three inches long yes you see her ass several times have fun I like I'm not gonna do it but this book you can hand it to anyone they're gonna have fun with it um it's just yeah it's the one oh my gosh the one this is amazing Oh yeah, I guess. I'm I'm still salty about Bendis for the way he referenced Avengers 200 that one time. I'm I'm not I'm not forgetting that just yet. That was in the pulse. That's different. Okay, fine. He gets a pass this time. But uh, or, and what so, what is your question that you're you want to yeah, ask? The question I had is you said it's nice that it's a, like a little 11 issue run. Do you think that because Taylor said that it was always planned as an 11 issue run? But I was wondering if you caught on to it too, because I feel like if there's one problem I have with this series is it feels like the last four or five issues feel really rushed to me. Like everything just kind of 
comes to a sudden conclusion where everything before it had felt like it was, you know, kind of slowly building up to something. Did you think, do you really think that this comic was planned as 11 issues or do you think it was kind of due to the, you know, the pandemic and everything happening with death metal and the coming of future state infinite frontier? Do you think it was cut a little short? I mean, I want to blame everything on death metal. I, (laughs) I genuinely believe there's a correlation between the Batman who laughs becoming Dr. Manhattan and the pandemic, those two things are connected <laughs> and DC uh-huh. will be, will have their day in court for all of that. Looking forward to it. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I buy that this is an 11 issue series. I do think that he definitely, I get the vibe at the end that he had plans for a, a revolutionary series, either written by him or that somebody would pick it up you know, and we have yet to have that picked up. We actually have a listener question about that in a minute, but I don't know. I feel like the run definitely was meant to be a little self-contained unit, but I think there were seeds planted throughout for more to come. And the end definitely felt a little bit less about the characters being introduced if that makes sense, I feel like the first six issues were like, here's this amazing cast, gotta make you love them. And then the last five issues were like, oh, yeah, we gotta have a story in here, too. <laughs> and, I mean, it was done so much better than I could do it. So mm-hmm. I definitely am throwing stones right. in a glass house. But I do see your point a little bit. Yeah. So, like, like overall, I still think it really, really worked. But I do think there was some, just a couple cracks in everything. But that would take a lot more analyzing than I've had time to do over the last week or so. But um, yeah, what do you think, Glenn? I don't think so. I, I do think, interestingly, that this this book is basically like almost like a final chapter to mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, the end. It's like I like I read this and was like, how can you do a new Suicide Squad book after this? This is almost like that's the Suicide Squad book with the revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I know obviously they're two very different teams, but that seemed like the, there will be no more Suicide Squad books after this right. comic. Can't be. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a movie coming out, so there will be. <laughs> and um, so I just felt like, yeah, so Taylor came onto this to, because mm-hmm. he had an idea to, for this first run, and he was probably going to spin it off into something new, and then plans got way late because this was around the time that Diddy got ousted, and what was going to be um, the the plan? Everything basically got tossed out the window right. mm-hmm. uh, for what was going to happen. Um, so, and then it maybe the other opportunities obviously came up like um, Dark Rain and Nightwing, and if you know, and he probably well, you know, Revolution is going to have to wait. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think that. Given the type of story he's told, I don't really know how you could have stretched out any longer. Um, I, I do think it would have been the likelihood of it relaunching into something else is probably more likely, and that got that's what got waylaid because of uh, more not more so the pandemic, although maybe that did play a part, but probably more so the, the whole situation with Didio getting booted um, because of various factors. Right. And say, of course, all that's just, you know, just speculation, just throwing it out. 11 feels like an odd number for a comic like Maxi series to me, because normally, like traditionally, it's, you know, like 
6 to 12, but now DC's doing minis that are literally only three issues long, because that Shazam series is literally just going to be three or four issues, and then it's done, which feels weird to me, but, you know, just, just throwing that out there. I had the curtain pulled back recently that mm-hmm. all of these minis have been five issues now, because they realized that they can sell a trade with five issues for the same price they were selling one with six, and I haven't been okay since. <laughs> like... Yes. They're, they took away two book, two pages from all of our books, and then mm-hmm. they took away a whole chapter from all of our books. And we're all just sitting here like a bunch of chumps. Oh. I also like I also think as well, I don't think you should just do an extra issue for the sake of it. Like, uh, I know neither of you finished Sandman yet, but Sandman finishes uh, with issue 73. Like, the story's done. It's over. It's done. But they do two more issues after that, so it gets to 75. Mm-hmm. I haven't um, even started Sandman. Oh my gosh. Now, yeah. Well, I can't really judge. I've only, I'm only three volumes into it. It's fine. Yeah, Take your time. No, so. Oh, wait, there is. Eventually. I, think, I think that I'll have to retire from comics once I've finally read Sandman. <laughs> like, that's, that is my mountain to climb someday. Keep going on. There's a blonde lady coming in Sandman. If I'm ever reading Sandman, just know, like, I'm at death's door. You know? Like, oh, man. I, he got the like, cancer diagnosis from all that oh, diet soda he drinks. Oh, no. Uh, there it is. Can you imagine your doctor comes in and is like, we have some really bad news for you. It is brain cancer. You're like, well, shit. And you just pull out your phone. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm buying Sandman. What do you think I'm doing? Exactly. <laughs> my, my wife would just have to roll her eyes. Like, I thought we said we bought all the books we could this month. And I was like, well, I'm dying. So <laughs> I'm dying. I'm buying next month's. I've survived cancer and read Sandman, so there. (laughs) Well, there you go. Now you have no excuse, Dallas. Exactly. Oh, boy. All right. All right. Someday. Someday. I have to read everything I already own that I haven't read. No, you don't. Buy a whole Sandman. All right. Does anybody else have any final questions or thoughts about this run before we hop into our listener question? I would arguably say that apart from Paul Dini, that, uh, and even then it's close, that Taylor writes the best Harley Quinn between this and Injustice. That's, uh, that's a pretty good statement. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I love Tom Taylor's Stephanie Phillips has really proven herself, though. Well, I've only read her Future State stuff, which was very, very good, and I'm sure that she is doing a wonderful job. She's a very, very talented writer. Oh, yes. But... Um, I just think that Taylor's able to balance that goofiness, mm-hmm. but still, she's intelligent, she's mm-hmm. witty, she's, but not in a very, like, she's a villain way, if that makes sense, and she's also not overly, like, because sometimes I think some writers tend to write Harley, for lack of a better term, overly slutty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you completely... <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah no he really excels with those fun characters because he's just such a fun writer it's also why his green arrow is peak and why i'm really happy we got that little cameo at the end of this and yeah he really nailed it the other thing um if i may just wanted to since we were talking about the art i also wanted to point out that um it wasn't always bruno redondo um daniel um I hope I'm saying his name right because he's he's so awesome. Daniel Samper, he yes. took over for a few issues with um, Adrian Lucas, and they're the um, 
my lovely Future State Aquaman team, who I just worship at the altar of. So getting to see them take over a couple issues was, was really, really sweet. And it's just... Future like, State Aquaman. Yeah, it was it was really 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 good. They they wrote the issue where Deadshot got to come back to his family mm-hmm. and Which was such a, it was such a good issue. I, honestly, like I had so many plans to talk about things in this episode and this book is just too dense to cover it all. Right. Like, like every yeah, character has like, an excellent it's only moment. 11 issues, but it's it's a dense 11 issues. There's so much in here. Can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah, you yeah, you're good. So my uh, my earbuds died, so I'm using it like a regular phone, like a chump. What a chump! What with a your chump. hands, with your hands, that's like a baby's toy. Shut up, Elijah Woods. <laughs> oh my gosh! Speaking of chumps, you know who isn't a chump? Deadshot, because he is one of the absolute standouts of this issue of oh, this this good. entire run. I feel like amiss if we didn't at least give him an honorable mention because. Oh. He's this bright. Is, yeah, his arc through this whole thing is just beautiful. And that, that's all I need to say on that. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's just fantastic. Issue number seven is one of my favorite stories of all time. I, I adore it. I, think I, I definitely be- want to piggyback on that and yeah. just say that like, while the revolutionaries are wonderful, they're definitely the stars of the show. Mm-hmm. I think both Deadshot and Harley got really, really excellent last Suicide Squad stories in this book. Definitely. And I'm happy to see them. Well, I'm happy to see where one of them is at now. And I'm really yeah. satisfied with <laughs> the arc that the other one got. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I know that they'll drag them back into a book eventually, but much like the end of Mark Wade's daredevil, I like to just hold on to this as sort of the end of the character. And like, while yeah. I can like things that come after, you know, I, I love, the current daredevil run but like there are every once in a while a character will just end with a writer and you're like okay mm-hmm. because of how comics are there will be more but that will forever be my headcanon end and that's kind of what this book did for deadshot and harley for me i definitely feel that uh, i'm sorry glenn i think I, I cut you off there a little bit did you have something you wanted to say no it's okay all right so anyway moving on before he can hop in oh my gosh um we have we have a question and i'll let glenn answer this one first because i feel bad that he's crying all the way over in make-believe land he's from pennsylvania guys yeah ireland's not real he lives in pennsylvania he's mailed me stuff i know his real address just don't yeah it's fine um all right so we have a question from Cole at Critical Rants, which, by the way, if you like comic books, go over to the YouTube channel, Critical Rants, and watch some of their stuff. It's great. Uh, it's Suicide Squad questions. Hi, Dallas and Alexis. Pour one out for a real one. And Anne and Glenn. <laughs> Hope you're all doing well. This book took a somewhat atypical approach to a Suicide Squad story that made an appropriately significant shakeup to the status quo. It's certainly a tough act to follow, so my question is this. What would you want out of the next Suicide Squad run? I don't think DC will stop publishing Suicide Squad comics anytime soon, and especially since James Gunn's The Suicide Squad comes out in August. So any ideas on how to keep the series fresh after this run would be exciting to hear. Also, what if DC just published a Revolutionaries book? That would be rad. Best. Cole. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think that last point is an excellent one. I actually wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised because I think Taylor's going to be the next Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Green Arrow writer. And I wouldn't mind if somehow he thinks. I think the Revolutionaries and Ollie would fit really well together because they they're kind of wanting the same thing, but they go about it the same way. So, sorry, the the very different ways. Yeah, I honestly was just having a talk with a friend about how I wanted the politics of the revolutionaries and like the writing of all of that transposed onto a Green Arrow book and watch Ollie yeah. deal with similar issues around we the globe. Take, we have to take down these fat cats that are smuggling all the money and take all the uh, stabbing all the little guys. See? What the hell is this guy talking about, man? I don't know. Oh my gosh. That's what. what that's what it'll be. <laughs> it'll be so, so Glenn's answer to the next Suicide Squad book is a Green a Green Arrow book, which honestly mm-hmm. I can respect. Well, um, be a new Suicide Squad book happening as we speak um, with a different team. Amanda Waller just rounded up a new team. Uh, if it was up to me, I would do. I wouldn't do another Suicide Squad for Squad book for at least two years after this. I would do a Revolutionaries book, but there's a movie. Um, so I would probably have done something like with Black Label out of continuity with a high-caliber creative team, which is also happening. How about you, Anne? What do you think about See, your your perfect <laughs> sequel to this? Um, it's funny, because my perfect sequel to this is definitely a Revolutionaries book, not a Suicide Squad book. And if I had to make a Suicide Squad book, it's funny, because I would do it in literally any other way than it's being done right now, which is just such a shame. Because, you know, when that first, like, solicitation for Infinite Frontier came out, I was so bitterly disappointed for a myriad of reasons. But one of them was you come off the Suicide Squad book with one of the, you know, the most diverse teams they've ever had, one of the most exciting teams they've ever had, all these new, fresh characters. And then we go straight into a new run with Peacemaker and his two white friends. And you're like, wait, hold up, what? what's going on and it's just it goes straight back to business as usual and you're just like okay this is the suicide squad we've been getting for years now except people die more often i guess which is the one thing i appreciate they've done they've definitely pulled out the d-listers for this one and no one is safe and i like that but the fact that we've already gone straight back to the status quo so soon after the end of this hurts (laughs) and it's just like it's 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 disappointing you know it's like, we just got this breath of fresh air, and we're immediately back to, like, <laughs> this, we're back to, like, sucking on the tailpipe of Suicide Squad that we've had for the last decade. And it's just, I feel like we could do more. I feel like we're at a place where we're, I, I hoped we could put, like, this Suicide Squad to bed and say, okay, let's keep doing new stuff like this. But it doesn't feel like we're there yet. And... Sorry, not to keep rambling on, but if I could have my own Suicide Squad, I want keep doing different stuff like this like do this but times 11 i want to see a group of like c-list heroes that we've known before see what happens if like i I normally keep my own pitches close to the chest but i've been thinking about this one for a while what if a villain was running a suicide squad of heroes and get a bunch of you know c-list d-list heroes together who have to perform all these really super villainous heists and activities or else they die i think that would be a really interesting flip-flop version of the Suicide Squad. Let's see a book like that, which is anything other than bad guys work for Amanda Waller or they get their heads blown off, you know? Yeah, I I agree. I think, I don't know that I have so much of a lineup that I want, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. as much as I just want it to be fun. Like, I don't want it to be dour. I think this book was bright and fun. And that's honestly what I'm looking forward to most with what we've seen of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. It's like, it looks colorful and fun. And a trailer for it dropped today that made me excited, you know? Me too. I've watched the trailers for this movie as it's come out, and every single one of them has had something that makes me smile, you know? The first one had, I mean, Starro appears, and I was like, wow, love it. This is everything I need. Kaiju starfish. (laughs) It looks bananas. And again, it looks like a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And I guess crazy opinion here, but like I like comic books. I I like when they're silly. I like that they do these big gonzo things. And I think that the Suicide Squad is a place where you can have a really bright and colorful cast mm-hmm. that does weirdo stuff. You know? Like Agreed. let it let it be the offbeat quirky book in the run. Like it doesn't need to be really dour like mm-hmm. paramilitary bullcrap you know right mm-hmm. so that's kind of where i'm at with the suicide squad i was also really disappointed to see the suicide squad run that came after i kind of knew there wouldn't be anything that really measured up to this but that one was definitely a bummer to be like oh so there's not even an effort being made to like carry <laughs> on what's what's happening yep yeah it's, it's like and please don't kill me, Anne. Please, please, please. I love you to death. But it's like Christopher Priest just did 50 issues of what seems to have been the best Deathstroke series ever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what do you do after that? You, DC gets one of their best writers to do a new thing uh, with the character to try and capitalize yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt me. But that's their logic behind doing that book is they, Josh, Joshua Williamson's one of their biggest writers who's under contract. Um, so they're, um, so they give it to him. He's probably going to do great stuff with it because he's a great writer. Um, but it, yeah, it's like you just had a great Suicide Squad run that was critically, this is the most buzz a Suicide Squad run has really received since, I know it got some buzz when Harley initially joined the team because again, that was a, that was a big deal because she's such a big character and that's unusual for Suicide Squad. But since really the, the heyday of the book from the 80s when John Ostrander was doing it, no one really talks about Suicide Squad. And this book got people talking again, because again, it wasn't really a Suicide Squad book. Um, and then, the, the, yeah, they've just gotten back to basics again. And let's have a bunch of loser villains working for Amanda Waller. And that is a shame. But again, from I can see why they've done it, because again, movie, and sadly... And this is a problem with both the big two companies that they will always have the the movie dictate really what events in the comics. It's like I remember when uh, Peter and Otto swapped bodies, and they were like, "Well, Otto's going to be Spider-Man forever now." And I was like, "No, he's not. There's going to there's a movie in two years. Peter will be back." <laughs> you know, so it's, it's it's one of those things that because there's a movie. Uh, or like whenever they killed Captain America for a while, it's like there's a there's like a movie coming. They they will bring Captain America back by the time the movie comes out, because they'll want Steve Rogers in the role when the movie comes out. So 
this these fictional group of people they think will see the movie and come pick up a comic book afterwards, which hardly ever happens, unfortunately. Uh, well, I don't want to buy this Captain America comic because uh, it's not Steve Rogers. That you know, so that, that's the logic behind it. But I, I I do think again. So in a perfect world, I just wouldn't have had a Suicide Squad for like two or three years. Um, and it is a shame that they and maybe if they wanted to keep the property active, they I would have just greenlit a, a black label miniseries, uh, probably not by the creative team that's doing it, but someone else, and certainly not the angle they've done it, because um, I think the current black label book is basically the Suicide Squad Hunt Down the Joker, and I, I, don't, I don't really think that another Joker book was probably needed. Do, do you think another Joker book was needed, Adam? I, I know that you really don't share a strong opinion about well, that one way or the you, other. You, you know, bring on, bring on all the Joker books. Bring on like a thousand. Let's, let's it's the Joker comic universe. Let's do it. Let's, why not? That's, oh no, that's that's my attempt at Joker humor. By the way, it's I, I really don't want a thousand Joker. DC, don't don't do it. Don't, stop. Oh, one thing Give me to. one thousand Skeletor Jeez. DC Black Label books. <laughs> You know, DC it's... do have the publishing rights. DC do have the comic book rights to you, man. Okay, and that's been our I show, know. everyone. So, <laughs> thanks for they're coming. Both, they're both voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> and uh, one of them's good, and one of them made a movie with a billion dollars and will never go away. And so, anyway, it's been seen... a delight, you two. You're both wonderful. Do you have any closing oh. words of wisdom for the people before bare-knuckle boxing? Um, you're wonderful. Is, is that it, Glenn? Wonderful. Sorry, go ahead. I was speaking over you. Go for it. No, sorry. I, I, you're both wonderful. I love you both. Well, oh, thanks. Love you too. Even though I am the biggest Captain Marvel fan, thank you very much. That's official. I have an official statement on the way, and I'm sending it to your house in Pennsylvania, Glenn. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, what do you think of that, Bree? Do you think she's the biggest Captain Marvel fan? What's up, Bree? No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Pardon? Excuse you? How dare you invoke that name in my presence? <laughs> if you say it three times in the mirror, she appears. Oh no, she's gonna try it. <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta go try something. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. What? But yeah, no, that's that's all I got to say. This book's really good. Everyone should check it out, and everyone should let me know when they do, because I really want to see your reactions to everything. It's so much fun. Ditto. Yeah. Um, make sure that you follow both Anne and Glenn on Twitter. They're both really great. And yeah, join the conversation. Talk with us about Suicide Squad. Next week, we have another very special guest that will be announced, and we're talking about another Tom Taylor book, all new Wolverine. <gasps> so we're keeping it rolling. We're keeping the good stuff coming. Um, mm. Hop on and join the conversation. Thank you so much, everybody, and have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye bye.